and start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running, commit, liftoff. Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Well, as we said yesterday, Doug is out of the studio, and I am joined in the studio in his place by david gray david how you doing today good taylor how are you always good to be here yeah it's good to have you in so what's been new with you braving the uh arctic temperatures to get in here no oh, yeah <laughs> i've i've fallen a long way from my days as a new englander to uh although i am in shorts i did yeah. come in in shorts and this uh what is it about probably about 50 degrees out and windy and Supposed to get below freezing, I think, this weekend. But Oh, is uh, it really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think Saturday night we're supposed to get a freeze, but uh, huh. you know, that'll be the lead story on the news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're going to get a big snowstorm up in the northeast, so it's still, uh, I still get a kick out of people complaining about the weather when it gets like this for a couple of days. And, of course, I'm not far off from doing that sometimes myself. It's so funny, though, if people who are from Florida will complain about the weather, and then they'll get... For for sixty degree weather, they'll have long long pants on, long shirt on, yep. and then they'll have sandals and bare feet. Yeah, I'm like, come yeah. on, man. Exactly, exactly. And you know, it is pretty cold. And hey, twenty, it's going to be in the twenties, I think, Saturday night. And the twenties are the twenties, whether you're yeah, in Florida yeah. or whether you're in Maine. You know. Well, I, I will say though, here, like the sun has such a much more of an impact no on you. Question. You know what I mean? Like it, it can be cold in the shade, and then you feel the sun when yeah. it comes out. Up in Indiana, like. If the sun's out in the middle of winter, there's no difference. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't feel much different. One of the interesting things, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I, there, I think there's a lot of things we've all learned during COVID about supplements and mm-hmm. vitamins mm-hmm. And, and this and that and what's good for your immune system, way more than I used to know. And uh, I, one of the things I remember reading is that below or I shouldn't say this, above a certain um, parallel or longitude, I guess it is, right? Um, you cannot absorb vitamin D from the sun during, from like, you know, October to March. Really? Yes. Huh. To your point. But but in Florida, and in, at below a certain point, you can absorb vitamin D from the sun year round. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and, and I've always said that, that there's a, you know, there's a huge difference in the uh, to your point, the impact of the sun, the angle of the sun here, and the strength of it, mm-hmm. as opposed to up north. And uh, but I, I thought that was interesting that that that's why you know you got to be careful about that stuff. That maybe you should be taking some oh. kind of supplements. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're living in places where you're not getting that that natural vitamin D, and also reiterating the importance, even living here, mm-hmm. uh, of getting out. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, even taking them here, if you don't get out, you right. spend all your day in a cubicle or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, it's important. And it's, uh, you know, speaking about COVID, that's actually was one of the biggest indicators that you're going to have some trouble with COVID is if you had low vitamin D the levels. vitamin D levels, yep. I think, you know, one, that might be one of the good things that comes out of all this is that people will have an increased awareness about taking care of their immune system. I, I certainly know a lot more about it. My wife's always been big on, you know, understanding supplements and knowing what to take and 
those kind of things. But I certainly know, I hope I know a lot more now, but anyway, but with, you know, the weather, if, if, you know, you know, from talking to me and having me in here and if anybody's listened in the past, you know, I love comedy and movies, movies that are funny and TV shows and, but the weather, when we talk about it like this, it makes me think one of Steve Martin's old movies, it's probably predating you, but it's a good one to go back and see if you've never seen it. He made a movie called L.A. Story, oh, and it's no, probably 20 it. years old now. Sarah Jessica Parker's in it. She was very young when she was in it. But it's it's a parody of life in Los Angeles. It's poking fun at mm. the pretentiousness of people living in the Los Angeles Hollywood area. And his job in the movie is he's a wacky weatherman. And at one point he goes out to interview people in the area, as he put it, to find out how they coped when the temperature dropped to a bone-chilling 53 degrees <laughs> last night. And he's pretending like it's a, a national emergency, you know. And the right. people are answering him like, well, we just shut the windows. You know? <laughs> so anyway, a That's little funny. bit of that going on with, uh, with me here today with the weather. Have you seen anything in the news today that's been uh, interesting? Well, boy, I, I I tend to admit that lately I think I've been uh, avoiding it a little bit. Mm. Just you know, a little bit overwhelming at times. But, uh, you know, I, I interesting that the Supreme Court justice is uh, retiring right at this key time. I know there's a lot of speculation about does he really want to retire? Is he mm. being pressured to retire? I I don't even know if he's actually made an announcement. I think that he uh, did. He finally do it. Yeah, because I saw a little clip of him. He pulled out a pocket constitution and stuff. So yeah, yeah I think he finally uh, announced today. Okay. Um, so that he'll be retiring. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I I'll you know the it's an interesting time, obviously, when there's supposedly a, a conservative majority. Although I think mm, we could yeah. get into that and mm-hmm. debate whether or not some of these folks that are on there who are labeled that way are, are truly conservative. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting, especially with all this the Supreme Court's hearing such high-profile cases, right, mm. whether it's about the vaccine mandates. We've got abortion cases being heard and, you know, the Texas law on abortion and all of that. So it's going to be, I'm sure, this will be another – this nomination process will be another circus. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I, You know, they're saying – I think this is signaling big time that the Democrats are afraid of what's going to happen to them, uh, you know, in this midterm election. I, I don't think you would do that if you felt confident about keeping your majorities. Right. Um, so obviously they want to ram this through. I did see something that, uh, you know, because there's a power sharing agreement in the Senate that somehow Mitch McConnell will have a way to block the nomination. And I don't know if that's true or if he would even do that. I'm not a big fan of his, but yep. it's just interesting all the little ins and outs that are coming out now. Um and, you know, I, I think personally we've probably given the Supreme Court far too much power, um, you know, more so than what the uh, founders would have intended. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're in a culture war and you've got, you know, two different Americas, two, two different visions of America, you know, I guess it's always going to come down yeah. to that. And what I find interesting, and I'm, I am not a subject matter expert on the Supreme Court, but it seems to me that in my lifetime you, you rarely, rarely hear – anyone on the Supreme Court making any kind of public statement. Mm. And I think that was always intentional. That's the point. They're not supposed to. They don't legislate. They don't promote. They don't take sides. They're supposed to interpret the Constitution. And um, But it seems like lately the members of the court, you're hearing 
you know, whether conservative or liberal, you're hearing more commentary. And maybe that's just the nature of, to your point, the culture war that we're in and, and they feel they have to, but I think I like it better. And I think the intention was that they are not to be political. Well, I think more people are paying attention to the court in general, but you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I think she was always pretty uh, in, in the public eye True. Uh, quite a bit, but yeah, I think, um, going back, uh, the, yeah, I think that there was much more of a consensus among, you know, the Democrats and Republicans were much closer together, um, and it wasn't such a worldview battle clash. Right. And so, right. yeah, there was uh, not, you know, your Supreme Court justice, you know, that you don't want to hear them talk about politics because, well, what's it, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we all believe and are headed towards the same direction. But mm-hmm. now that's, you know, manifestly not the case. And I would say it hasn't been the case for, yeah. You know, and you just wonder how years, much it, how much it, really impacts their ability to objectively interpret. Oh, they're not doing any. No, I don't think so either. I, I would say that there are, you know, there's contextualists and originalists who are trying to look at what the Constitution says and go off that. I think there's maybe two on the court. And then the rest are, um, you know, they got their thoughts of, you know, a stare decisis and how this and that should be. And, and they're not making decisions based off of, uh, what the Constitution, what the letter of the Constitution says. Now, uh, you know, it's based off of, oh, what does this precedent or that precedent say? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's been the case for a while. But now I would say it's coming down even more to, you know, what are my political right. uh, leanings? And then and then to hear, <laughs> I don't know, did you see any when they were having the mask, uh, uh, looking at the OSHA mandate, or excuse me, the vaccine mandates and stuff, some of the st- things that, uh, you know, like uh, Sotomayor said. Yeah, she like, was a little off on a few of her statistics, <laughs> I think. Yes. Yeah, and then to realize that those justices have that much supreme power that we've now given them, I would right. say outsized, and then that they're that uninformed. Is yeah. like, oh, wow. And it wasn't even close. Yeah, I mean, no. they were crazy numbers. And uh, anyway. To the uh, point that, like, there's no way that she actually, I, I would say, that she actually believed that. But, hey, you know, maybe yep. she did. Maybe yep. she just was that uninformed of it. It seemed kind of like, wow, I know. serious? I know. On a lighter note, I did get a kick out of the uh, the story of um, the president has had a few, uh, a couple of um, less than, glori- less than uh, glorifying or less than uh, glory days moments in his press conferences recently. Oh. He's <laughs> referred to, you know, someone asking a stupid question and then with Peter Ducey there, the yeah, reporter yeah. from Fox News, and called him a... Basically, on a mic, called him a stupid sob, right? And um, and what I thought was interesting, though, was was Ducey's reaction. Oh. I was impressed with his reaction. First of all, very self-deprecating. He said, "Well, nobody fact-checked Biden <laughs> right, to right. see if it's not true," <laughs> which I thought was a great response. Very funny. And uh, apparently, Biden did call him. Yeah. Now he didn't apparently apologize to him, but he called him. Yeah, it said nothing personal. Yeah. And and Ducey took the high road and kind of respected the office and said, you know, I think uh, Sean Hannity was trying to bait him a little bit. Mm. And uh, I was impressed with Ducey's response that he just said, hey, it's it's water under the bridge. We're going to move forward. So good for him for I'm not sure I would have had that kind of restraint. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed seeing the Twitter uh People held up Twitter uh, responses side by side of what people had said when Trump said the same thing. Right, <laughs> right. when It was just mere difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we're obviously in a political realm. All right. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the break.
If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ church. They use published works to teach God's word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. is Red Letters by David Crowder. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, Doug McCary is out uh, today. We are joined, though, in the studio by longtime uh, host. Uh, guest host. Yeah, David Gray. Guest host or sidekick. Yeah, Whatever yeah. you want to call me. And uh, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about what's been going on in the news. Uh, you've been following anything about the... Uh, the what's going on with the U.S. Navy over in China and the the jet that a little bit, but I know they they had another mishap right with a with a jet over there, but I don't know that many details. Yeah, so it was a F thirty five or F thirty five C. I don't know. If there's a big difference between the two, but um, the, the pilot messed up and uh, overshot the runway or went long on the runway, and the the plane uh, went into the ocean, and which is that's a bad look in general. Just off, but now there's the U.S. Navy and China, they are now racing to uh, be the one to pick that up. I bet. You know? I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So it wasn't on a carrier that he went into the ocean. It was just a, a normal no, it land-based was, runway? No, no, no. It was a carrier. It was a carrier. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so it was in the South China Sea, okay. obviously, which China okay. claims as, as their right. own. Right. And uh, so, yeah, that, that went over. So then I heard China was going to try to make a, a claim to the U.N. that, oh, it's a pollutant, so we have to be the ones to go clean it up. And yeah. so... Yeah. The biggest polluting country in the world, and they're yeah. worried about it being yeah. a pollutant. Yeah, that's, but yeah, the F thirty five—that's a you know—that's some serious technology there, yeah. right? And so <laughs> sure. they have a vested interest in trying to to get that. And yeah, so I saw that, and it just kind of like a head, you know, put, put your head down a little bit in shame. Uh, well, it's interesting that you say that. I, I just from a historical standpoint, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, the remake of the movie Midway has been on tv a lot lately oh, it's been mm-hmm. on that amc mm-hmm. channel and i i saw it in the theaters and i liked i, I loved the original movie midway with charlton heston mm-hmm. and, and others and um 
the remake was was well done and came at it from a little different angle. They used a lot of computer generated yeah, imagery yeah. and pretty intense stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, the uh, you know when, when the Japanese carrier is sinking one of them after the after the uh, you know the, the U.S. found the the Japanese fleet, they have to scuttle oh. the carrier mm-hmm. so that the that the Allies don't get their hands on it. So been going on for a while right uh but they and of course it's very stoically the japanese admiral and his and his second in command stay on the ship you know and another ship torpedoes it and pretty pretty intense stuff but if you haven't seen that movie it, it's a it's a great movie and it's a it's a good reminder that i i admit that with all this stuff going on and i said earlier i tend to sometimes avoid the news and and I'll talk to other people and I'll, I'll hear it in my own voice, a little bit of defeatism, you know, and we're going to get into this when we start talking uh, about this uh, passage in Acts about where's my trust, you know, and, and, and God's in control. And none of this is surprising God. And yet I start to feel that this is so overwhelming. It's, it's impossible to, to deal with all this. And, um, but there's a scene in, and again, I don't want to, make too many movie references but sometimes you can movie, never make too many movie <laughs> sometimes, references. sometimes movie references can really teach us a lot but if they're done well but there's a scene and i don't i don't know whether this was based on a verified true story but i bet there were lots of these types of situations and stories but but two of the guys two of the pilots the pilot and the tail gunner fighting at midway are shot down they're able to get out of the plane they're in a life raft they don't know what's going to happen. They see a destroyer coming, and they don't know if it's Japanese or American. The next scene you see is they're on board a, a Japanese ship, and one of the guys that's being questioned is um, got his hands tied, and what you don't realize immediately is that the rope is tied at the other end to an anchor. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're questioning him, and asking him what ship he came from because they don't know they're they're surprised that the united states had the carriers in the area and uh the guy looks at them and he says uh how about a cigarette and they give him a smoke reluctantly and he takes a couple puffs and he looks at him and he says i had a lot of friends at pearl harbor so why don't you go you can fill in the rest and i'll tell you seeing that scene gives me chills and even talking about it now that the heroism the patriotism the the love of country that the the laying your life down as the bible talks about now i don't know i'm not claiming that this guy i don't know what he believed but but the idea that there's something worth fighting for and i think you know i don't want to lose that i don't want to lose it in myself and i don't want to lose it and and not to the point where i am I have, I've talked about in the past in my own life and, and, and in observing others that patriotism can replace faith in a lot of ways, or it can get all intertwined with faith in a kind of a weird way. I, I, I don't, I'd have to think about how I would expound on that a little more. And I'm not, this is not a denigration of patriotism. I love this country and I consider patriotism a good thing, a great thing, but it's not our first priority, Right. Uh, and I think, again, we'll see that in Acts. But anyway, that scene reminded me of all the people that have given so much and fought so hard 
for the country. And now we're in a situation that's difficult politically and, you know, it's it's easy to kind of think, ah, there's nothing I can do. And yet that's that's not the right attitude. So anyway. Yeah, that was a. Uh... That's like the when you brought that movie up. That was the first scene that came to my mind uh, about that. Is is a good scene. That's a great scene. Um, and I guess when I think about you know I I was like you know hardcore patriot uh, type guy growing up and and I think as stuff has been going on for the last you know ten years at least fifteen man for the last little bit uh, I've really had to question you know. Well, why was, you know, where, where where my patriotism was at? And it, it came to realize, like, okay, no, what was really so inspiring me, to me about the country, it wasn't just the country itself, but the ideals that um, it was founded on. Sure. And then, oh, where do those come from? Oh, where do they come from? That comes from the Bible. That comes from a Judeo-Christian uh, right. background uh, and framework. And so uh, where the patriotism uh, is good is where you see, oh, this is – uh, when my country in, is standing on biblical truth, right. like man, I can be proud of that. That yeah. is sure that 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 gets me excited. Yep. And I think there was a time where the country was so aligned with biblical truth that people, like you say, got that intertwined and mm-hmm. intermixed. And even after it had moved far from that, the Christian aspects of the founding, uh, there a lot of people had those things, as you say, mixed together. And, you know, unfortunately, we're not a Christian nation anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, th- those symbols, uh, you know, like the flag and in the military and stuff that was so inspiring to many of us, you know, are we're now having the question, oh, wait, yep. you know, because, you know, for the last two years, the machinations of the of the government of the state were turned against its own people. Right. And, you know, not in, you know, shooting war or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But so you really have to now grapple with okay what what is essential what is it that i'm gonna stand Stand and fight for that's exactly you know what i mean and and so is it is it the patriot a lot of people it's that patriotic line of oh this is where our country's been and i think you know for the christian it has to be what's the biblical truth that's exactly right i was just thinking that it's standing on god's truth yeah and and it's exactly right and it's standing on god's truth and it's remembering the institution's you know, of the family and of the church and making sure that those are, uh, you know, consecrated to God and then to calling the state to be held to that same standard. And until the state can, you know, until there's enough people in government that can come back to a Christian worldview to make me be like, you know, I'm proud of Mm -hmm. of my government again. Right. Right. Uh, Until then it's to say, Hey, this is the line and this is where we should be. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that, like I said, there's worldviews that are at play and, and fighting fighting it out right now. And, you know, what's going to win? I don't know. I think that trend line, you know, for the last 60 years, like I said, it's looking like that uh, that uh, secular humanist worldview is mm-hmm. going to take over. But right. God is one that if that's not what he wants to happen, it's not going to happen. You know? And God will always have his people mm. in oh, various yeah, yeah. places. Yeah. There may not be as many as there once were, but he will always have a remnant. And Actually, what you're talking about is a good segue of something that I wanted to mention, and and this kind of goes hand-in-hand with a lot of the things that that Doug's been talking about, that this is a time where the church can really 
it's an opportunity for the church and 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 the church needs to stand on truth and not capitulate to some of these you you called it a culture war earlier and it absolutely is and that we don't want to have the church capitulate on some of these quote unquote social issues we don't want to have the church be silent on people you know being discriminated against over mandates or you know hated because of vaccinated versus unvaccinated or you know, critical race theory or whatever any of these issues are that the church is, is um, what's the word I'm looking for, floundering on or mm-hmm. being wishy-washy on, that's important that, that people stand on truth, even if it's sometimes truth. Maybe Al Gore had the title right, not, not for climate change, <laughs> but uh, an inconvenient truth. Truth is inconvenient sometimes, and and we need to tell people the truth and speak the truth, even if it's uncomfortable and it's becoming increasingly uncomfortable. But there's a, I wanted to mention there's a a conference tomorrow and Saturday morning. It's at Anastasia Baptist church. And I know this is late notice, but it's called more salt, more light. And uh, the church in an age of opportunity, and it's going to have a bunch of speakers. It's put on by um, mid America reform seminary, a buddy of mine has some friends that are involved in it. And so we're going to go down tomorrow, but, um, Doug I, did mention it earlier oh, did in the week. He? So, good, yeah. good. And I think, you know, it goes hand in hand with what Doug has been teaching about the church standing on the truth and, and, and looking at this, not as like I mentioned, I have sometimes a defeatist attitude, but as an opportunity that people are hungry for, well, what is the truth? Because it's so hard to find in our culture. Yeah, and we are coming up against uh, – okay, thanks, Steve. We're coming up against the news break, but I want to pick it up there uh, when we do come back because uh, you know, I got a lot of thoughts, and then I also want to ask a little bit about the conference and, and kind of the direction uh, that it is going. But you'll have to stay tuned because we are up against the news break, so stick with us. We will be back with more in just a second. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER as well as all of our local listeners, 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkestone, Georgia. And finally, all of our listeners listening online, wherever you are in the country or around the world. Uh, would I also like to let you know that you can download our SWAT app in the App Store, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. SWAT Radio, that is Need to Breathe with Brother. If you are just joining us, we were, before the break, talking a little bit about um, truth. And, you know, I, I just had some thoughts when you were talking about we need to stand on biblical truth. And, and then you were talking about the floundering of the church and a bunch of different facets of, uh, you know, what we were talking about as the culture war. And, you know, have you heard the term Big Eva? 
I'm not sure I have actually. It's like a big evangelicalism. Oh, okay. Big okay. Eva and okay, like big pharma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah kind of I, like I get that. it. All right. And you know, we're there on. A, and the reason I think it has a term is because on a lot of issues, uh, they're a little suspect, and there's people who are like questioning, it and they, they've come up with a term for that. Um, but then there's also people who are like very egalitarian, very uh, progressive that are in the church and you know, consider themselves believers, and it. We, we talk about standing on truth and on biblical truth, and, and the unfortunate reality is that there are people trying to change what what that means biblically, mm-hmm. you know, what sure. biblical truth sure. is. And I think it's going to—it's something that for a lot of people, because they are not really grounded as much as maybe they think they are in a biblical worldview, don't really understand the Bible— uh, you know, as much as, you know, I, I don't understand it as much as I should, so I'm not trying to cast stones, but there are people who don't don't study it enough to really know historically kind of what uh, the, the the church has taught or um, and what Christian belief has been uh, throughout the ages. And then now they're, you know, changing mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> translations. Right. You, you know what I mean? And so that that is a vastly different uh, ecosystem than I think most people realize. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so you're seeing a lot of people, especially that you thought, oh, man, that person is strong, fall away to. And I'm not saying that they're not Christians, but they'd be just completely what we would say dead wrong on certain issues. And it's like, where is that coming from? Too heavily, too heavily influenced by the culture and by by social pressures. Yeah. And I heard I heard somebody talking about a, a particular person. and It was like they pride themselves so much on being able to say, well, this side is wrong and this side is wrong. And they've let the Overton window shift them mm-hmm. so much that they're falling away from where the biblical yeah. truth lies. Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's just, that is the one place that, you know, we should be unified. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and despite whatever's going on in culture, it's like, well, Hey, there's a safe haven in the church, but more and more, you know, increasingly likely it's going to be, you know, another church member that rats you out for not being vaccinated right. or something like right. that, right? And well, your point about your point about changing truth, which of course doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You can't change truth, but the attempt to rather than agree with what God says about us, about mm-hmm. sin, about His law, about the gospel, it's cherry picking certain things that you don't like or that are a struggle, and so rather than agree with God and, as Doug would always talk about, repent quickly or work, you know, do whatever you have to do. Like Jesus said, cut off your hand, gouge mm-hmm. out your hand to deal with sin. It's easier just to change, move the goalposts as if we could do that, as if any human could do change God's standard and God's law. Now, as our pastor likes to say, quoting from Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. And, but I think what you're talking about is increasing. We've seen it increase in pace. I mean, I think about when you were talking about changing truth or attempting to change God's standard, the first thing I thought of was, was the serpent saying mm. to Adam and Eve, did, did God really say mm-hmm. that you'd die? You're not going to die. Did God really say? And that's been going on in the human condition since, right? Well, God didn't really mean that. God, when God said that, he didn't really mean it, or that was just cultural at that time, and he didn't really mean that for today's, you know, day and age, right? So we're, I think we're seeing that increase in, in, in frequency, in severity, 
and we're seeing the results in in the culture for sure. Yeah, but in the church, and that that church leaders are that way is Agreed. is something that Agreed. is. And you know, <laughs> we've talked about Catholicism and you know the huge pitfalls that that's had, but there is a element of there's a good place for tradition. It's not on the same scale as scripture, you right. know, or, or anything. I'm not trying to say that, but when you uh, jettison uh, uh, tradition completely, then you can find people saying, well, you know, when Paul says, you know, be sub- submissive to your husband as unto, well, it's not really saying that. And it's not saying this. And, you know, patriarchy is a terrible word. And so we're going to go this way. There is a place to say, and unfortunately when people are trying to, there's truth is up for grabs, even in the church, there's going to be an element of saying, well, Hey, look, historically this has been the case. And so we need to stand on that truth. Without, if you don't have, you know, a tremendous rock solid scriptural case for mm-hmm. departing from where that's at, and so it's weird to say that though, because you know that the Reformation was about, hey, look, these things are not on par with the gospel. But right. uh, I think we've kind of gone to the to the point that we're not talking about uh, anything in tradition, and so that's allowed you know false teachers to come in and say, oh. well, we have this new understanding now and right. we're going this way. And it's, right. Yep. It's just one of the things that, uh, that our, our pastor's preaching on the Beatitudes and it's been a really good series. And this past Sunday he made the comment and he, and he referenced a couple of well-known long time, you know, television evangelists. And even one of the ones that, that started, I think it was actually, um, the crystal cathedral there. And hmm. he was in California. I think the guy's name was Schuler. But what he was mentioning was that he was brought up, this pastor was brought up in a very reformed, you know, um, environment and, and new truth. And, but that in his ministry, once he get into kind of being a TV guy and being famous for this, and he was an innovator, but he never talked about sin, Mm. never talked about sin. And, you know, when we talk about the good news of the gospel, there is no good news if there's not bad news first. And, you know, I heard Doug mentioning this on the broadcast. I I don't know if it was yesterday, but it was earlier in the week about starting when we talk to somebody about, about Jesus and about the gospel, starting with God, not just uh, Jesus has always been there. Jesus is God, but God's unfolding plan of salvation, right? And when we uh, had the opportunity, you've heard me mention it before, to go, some SWAT guys went to the Philippines with Doug a few years ago, and we had to have a pretty concise gospel presentation because we might have 10 minutes in a particular school to to kind of give our message. And that was a real great exercise, I think, for me and I dare to say for the other guys as well. But it was learning that four-point, you know, God's original plan mm-hmm. was to have the perfect relationship, perfect dependent relationship that Adam and Eve would, and men and women would have with him. Our problem, man sinned, right? And sin causes separation from God, not just separation, because some people might go, well, separation's not that bad, right? Billy Joel, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry mm-hmm. with the saints. Separation's not that bad. It's a big party. No, no. Separation and punishment. That's the key, right? That's our problem. God's solution to our problem. Jesus, right? That he loved us so much. He didn't want to leave us in that condition. And so he, the solution was Jesus to come God himself to come in the person of Jesus and live a perfect life 
and take our penalty on the cross, that double, that great exchange, right, where he takes our sin and we get his righteousness. But then the key for that point, our response to Christ, that we have to respond in faith. But but the idea that sin is real and sin is our problem and the gospel is not just about God loves you no matter what and everything's great. Yes, he does when you put your faith in Christ and you ask, you know, confess your sins, but sin is a real issue and it's not getting talked about. And I guess we're tying this back to what you were talking about. That's a obviously a big part, even in churches, of what's being changed or attempted to be changed or glossed over. But that's not the truth. And without the truth of what our condition really is apart from Christ and apart what God's offering, then we're not giving people the full picture and the real solution. Yeah, and you know, I think that goes in a few different ways. There's the not talking about sin at all, but then there's also the the changing of the category of sin and what that means, right? So Correct. the not talking about it at all is obviously to say, you know, hey, anyone's accepted can do whatever they want, and then you get you know uh, transgender bishops and and things like that in some some of these churches. But then there's also the the other pitfall to say, oh, well, it's not uh, personal sin, you know. It's it's the, there's the corporate sin, the corporate sin of whiteness, right? And then the salvation. It's not just supposed to be um, God, God's plan. It's not just uh, individual salvation, but there's a a cultural salvation. And now there is a cultural component to being a Christian and, and God's word expanding that way. But how they mean it is that now, oh, you're a Christian, and to atone for the whiteness, you now have to do the work of reconciliation, right? And and so. That's why Bodhi Bakum will call it like a Gnostic, uh, mm-hmm. uh, ethnic Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. something that is compelling to people if they don't, you know, understand right. uh, God's vision right. for how his kingdom is expanded, yeah. right? And, yeah. you know, so that kind of gets to the the, sem- the seminar, the, uh, the uh, conference this weekend. And so what are they doing to kind of talk about? Are they yeah. talking about that? Uh, yeah, I, know, I don't know a lot about it, but I, I did pull up the itinerary and—, and to the, to the issues that we've been talking about, some of these topics that the various speakers are going to be covering look great. Uh, the first one is the mission of the church in a rudderless world. Mm. I mean, that's just what we've been talking about. Biblical theology of world mission. Um, lunch with pirate pizza. That's the part I'm focused on. <laughs> uh, Christian identity in a plastic world. Leading in an age when few will follow. To your point, um, black enough on being black and reformed and not woke. Hmm. I assume that speaker is African-American. <laughs> I would hope so. Um, so it looks like there's some great topics um, that they're going to be, that they're going to be hitting. So, yeah. So if you are uh, interested, you know, have some questions about some of the things that we've talked about, it sounds like that conference is going to be a yeah. good job, a good primer for you to check out. Uh, is there a, place if so, it, it, well, if somebody just searches, more Salt, More Light Conference, they'll find this one coming up. It's at Anastasia Baptist Church in St. Augustine starting tomorrow morning at 8.30. It's 25 bucks, so it's a good deal. And uh, it goes pretty much for the day tomorrow and then a half a day on Saturday. 
All right, so definitely check that out. More Salt, More Light, More Light Conference, wherever you want to do that search at. All right, we are up against the break. Before we go, I'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, A Store and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug, D-O-U-G, at SWATradio.com. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. That is All My Hope by David Crowder. Uh, you know, I realized he's got like, there was the David Crowder band, now it's just Crowder. So I don't know which one it is, like that song is from. It's probably an older one, but that is David Crowder. Um, I confess I don't know some of that, the the artists, the way you know them. And so I, I can't help you there. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I got a list, man. So I, I wrote them all down, the name, the song. Good idea. And then there's two songs that... Both say chain breaker in the song, and I get them confused yeah. all the time. Well, so that's understandable. You know, I don't know him that well, but I know David Crowder. Yeah. Like I, I, I know that voice pretty well. But, yep. uh, if you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter twelve, verses one through eleven. Uh, this week, today, we're going to uh, talk about that. Um, get David's insight of what what he uh, felt reading through the text, what he he gleaned from uh, the Bible study last week. And if you'd like to join the discussion, I'm not sure we're going to have time, but I'll give you the number anyway. You can call us at one eight four four triple seven SWAT. That's one eight four four seven 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 nine two two eight. Or you can email us at Taylor at SWATradio.com. That's Taylor T A Y L O R at SWATradio.com. I said ask earlier. I was wrong because Doug's not here and I don't have that account. So anyway, <laughs> that is Taylor again at SWATradio.com. Yeah, well, I know you guys have been talking about uh, Acts chapter twelve, one to eleven, and I may hit some couple of points here that that Doug's already talked about, but that's okay. We can always. I, I know I do better if I hear things a bunch of times, so I need uh, I need repetition. But anyway, this is this is a great passage. This these eleven verses, and essentially, just by way of reminder, um, this is um, kind of the as Doug put it, you know, the Acts starts out with the Jerusalem church, and then 
expands to Judea and Samaria and and then to the ends of the earth, right, as Jesus talked about in the Great Commission. And this is kind of the end of the Judea-Samaria portion. And it's also the end of Luke's writing, really, about Peter. Mm-hmm. He he begins to focus after this story, this final story about Peter kind of being miraculously released from, delivered from prison. Um, he starts to talk about more about Paul. And... Um, but just to, to kind of reiterate Doug's main points from this passage, which I which I thought were great. Doug always, when I when I look at things and try to make an outline, I tend to look at, okay, what's happening? What's what's really happening in the story? Doug's so good about pulling out mm-hmm. the application and and what it means for us, and and uh, I always look forward to that. But you know, just a couple of points that he's made <clears throat> that this passage shows: you can't win a war with God. And Herod, as his father and grandfather did, is trying to basically wage a war and 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 win a god, win a war against God, and uh, and we'll we'll talk about that in a little more detail. But and that you know those who do that try to wage a war against God ultimately are going to die. They're going to die physically. They're going to die spiritually. But for his people, God. Doug's second point was God calls us to trust that His power is uncontested and that nothing is outside of his control. And based on all the stuff we've been talking about in the first three segments, that's an important point I know for me to remember and for all of us to, to remember. So um, God calls us to rest in his strength, right? Not in worldly things or power. You know, for Herod here, it was it was all about power. It was all about control. And God's calling us as his people to to let him have that rightful control and, and power. But but anyway, this passage is, is really cool. Like I said, Luke tells one final story about Peter before turning to Paul. And and I think part of the reason for that, for including the story about Peter, is to show that although he's going to fo- focus exclusively on Paul and the mission to the Gentiles going forward, the Jewish mission is still of ongoing importance to God. And, um, you know, we see this by the miraculous preservation of probably its most important leader, right, of of Peter. Um, And by the removal of the Jewish mission's most prominent persecutor, Herod. And we didn't get to, that's not in this passage, but it's coming in this chapter. And Herod comes to a quick uh, end, as spoiler alert. Hmm. So uh, Doug will get to that, I'm sure, next week. Um, But, but, we're seeing that in this passage there's a fresh a fresh persecution initiated by Herod. Um, we see the arrests of several believers, prominent believers. Herod wanted to curry favor with Rome. He, he wanted to and did actually curry favor with the Jewish religious leaders. Um, he wasn't Jewish. He was, I'm Judean, I'm not pronouncing that right, but he was not a Jew. But he carefully practiced Jewish law. He, he, um, he, he wanted to curry favor with the Romans, of course, and the Jewish leaders, and he did succeed at that in some way. And he was a politician. He was absolutely yeah. a politician. And, um, you know, one of the things he did to uh, to curry that favor was he executed James, mm-hmm. right? And James, you know, we read about Peter's miraculous release here, but not all imprisonments. God does do that sometimes, but sometimes— Believers die, mm-hmm. right? Probably more times than, than not in, in history, right? 
um, that the the miracle of delivering Peter was not the norm. Yeah. Um, but the but the persecution and the suffering is the norm, and um, so Luke includes this reference to the fact that James, and this is the brother of John, you know, one of the sons of thunder, especially for if you folks have been watching The Chosen, you know who these <laughs> guys are. Um, he was imprisoned and executed, and it says in the scripture here that he was killed with the sword. And what I thought was interesting in reading the commentary that I was reading, it, it likely means that he was being accused by the Jewish leaders of leading people uh, or preaching false a false God, mm. namely Jesus, right? So here's James talk about preaching the truth and speaking the truth. He's preaching the truth. They accuse him because they won't acknowledge Jesus, that he's leading the people toward false gods. And if you go all the way back to Deuteronomy, I did not know this off the top of my head, like that goes without saying, okay? But <laughs> in the commentary, there's a, there's a passage in Deuteronomy, it's verse uh, Deuteronomy 13, 12 to 15, that talks about the punishment by the sword hmm. for leading people or promoting false gods. And so I, I thought hmm. that was an interesting thing that, that, that James by law, by Jewish law was killed with the sword. That would give the indication of what they were, what his hmm. crime was that yeah. he was accused of. Um, so anyway, um, and it's interesting also too, that Peter, because Herod is just, from a total political standpoint and ritualistic standpoint, trying to give the appearance of being a good Jew, after he arrests Peter, there's a delay because he's clearly going to execute him. That's his plan. But there's a delay because it's the Passover. And so he's being a good Jew, quote-unquote, and he puts Peter in prison but delays because of the Passover. And... I you know I loved Doug's description of this. He 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 puts four squads of guards, and they're rotating. And there's never there's always two guards chained to Peter. Now now Doug mentioned, I think, um, another incident of Peter and John being released from prison, mm-hmm. or, or you know, but I also this makes me think of the re- of the resurrection, right, mm-hmm. with the Roman guards guarding the tomb, and you know Pilate saying and, and the Jews saying hey they they're going to try to steal his body you know he put some guards there and because what happens here is very similar I think to the to the resurrection right uh, Peter's sleeping first of all and that's really kind of a cool little point in the story that Luke puts that in there right mm-hmm. would it be that we would have that I would have that kind of confidence in God and trust in God that if I was in that situation, knowing Peter must have known because he would have known what happened to James that he was facing death likely but but I wonder if he was thinking about when Jesus said you know uh when some, you're, when you're older you're, yeah yeah I that's thank you for reminding me of that because I, I I was thinking about that earlier and I forgot but that Doug pointed out that Jesus told him when you're old yeah you'll be led where you don't want to go but the point was when you're old and Peter wasn't old yet yeah here, so that's that yeah so that certainly would have given him confidence. But also, I think he just... Was he, at peace with yeah, whatever. Yeah. And he had been through so much and experienced God's faithfulness to him. But um, anyway, he's sleeping between and is chained to these two Roman guards. And, uh, you know, here's Herod thinking, there's no way he's getting away. I'm going to 
I'm going to get in even better with the Jews because I'm, I'm observing the law. Uh, I'm going to kill this guy as a Jewish apostate. I'm going to curry favor with Rome because I'm going to put down somebody who's a potential radical and leader of a potential revolt. And God's got other plans. And uh, it, it's also interesting that at the in verse 5, it says, uh, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And, um, you know, just that idea, again, that God does most of what he does in conjunction with prayer. Now, that's a question for another day. The Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man are effective. Mm-hmm. But we also know God's sovereign. So how does that work together, the prayers of the of believers and God's sovereignty work together? We'll let Doug tackle that question <laughs> some other time. But the prayers of the church clearly had an impact here. But Peter, the angel comes and Peter is freed and he walks out so easily that he thinks it's a vision. I think that's why he thought it was a vision because it was so easy. He just, you know, and you wonder, what did the guards see? If anything, did they see anything while it was happening or were they put into some kind of a sleep? And then what did they think when they realized he wasn't there? (laughs) So anyway, maybe we'll get to find out the answer to that question. But, um, you know, but again, Luke, Luke includes all this to show how worried Herod was, first of all, and that Herod knew the story of other releases from prison. And Herod certainly knew the story of the resurrection. Mm hmm but also to emphasize the extraordinary nature of God's deliverance of Peter here. So um, anyway, like I said, God's sovereignty in prayer, we just need to be obedient and know that the Bible instructs us to pray. And how God works that in with his sovereignty, we'll let him handle that. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Sounds good. All right. You hear the music. That means we are out of time for the day. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. And you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual